If you like the Middle-Aged Man Talk podcast, consider giving us your support on Patreon. Are we recording? Yes, we're recording. Hi, Richard. How's it been? How you doing? Uh, it's been an interesting week. Well, welcome to the Middle Age Man Talk Podcast. He's your host, Brendan. I'm your host, Brendan, taking a sip of my iced jasmine green tea. And I'm your other host, Richard. You are. So this week we have a treat from Japan that you can't buy in Canada. We have the Sake Kit Kats. Sake Kit Kats. I think it's a Sake Kit Kat. I can't read it. It's in Japanese. They come in a big mix box. But it has a glass of wine. But it has a bowl of grapes next to it, or raisins. And then there's something floating in the wine. Is it? Or is that just like the splash, like it's moving? Oh, it could be a splash. Oh, I see, they're swirling it. Well, it's sitting stationary on the table. Yeah, that's it. So um, let's just try this funny sake Kit Kat. I'm not sure this is a sake one now, when I look at it. It's white chocolate. Smells interesting. What's it taste like? Very mild flavored. It's sweet. Almost like... What's the bowl in the picture on it, though? It's like a little bowl of raisins. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it has almost like a raisiny flavor. I don't think this is the sake one. I thought it was because of the, the wine glass. Mm-hmm. And sake comes in all variety. But, um, okay. And what are you drinking tonight? You're having a Paps? Paps Blue Ribbon, Sh- Ribbon Strong Iced Tea. Paps Blue Ribbon Strong Iced Tea. Yeah. And I'm just drinking regular Ito N tea. So, the... Korean cracker I've got for you. That's what they call it in the translation. It's Cheetos, Chester Cheetah, but it's really spicy. There is fire coming out of the cheetah's mouth. And I imagine it should also be coming out of his bottom. It's interesting because looking at these, like I've had the Flamin' Cheetos before, and the American style. The American style Flaming Cheetos from San Francisco. They're not what you expect. But they're like this deep orange. This is almost like salmon colored. Yeah, they're very light. Light colored. They're not a rich orange. Like there's less food dye. What do you think? They're pleasantly flavored. Uh, they're not cheesy. They're not spice. They're there's a hint of spice, but like it's just a hint. It's a suggestion of spice. Mm-hmm. But I can't name the flavor. Really. There's a little sweetness in there. Mm-hmm. That kind of weird sweetness you get in a lot of Asian snacks for some reason with with the savory and the chippies. Not bad though. I'll do their pleasing. Yeah, they're so. I got the Cheeto Crunch, you know. Yeah, it's like a regular Cheeto. So I wanted to talk about tonight. Tonight's topic. Do, 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 do. There is this young fellow who has won a fancy science award. Uh, a high schooler uh, who has a type of, uh, a new type of motor that could potentially be used for electric cars. He won the, what was it? His name is Robert Sanson with his novel Synchronous Reluctance Motor. So um, from reading it, and he won a big fancy science fair award for this. So the thing is, is that most electric motors in electric cars need a lot of rare earth minerals, highly refined, put together to make a motor. Because they're permanent magnet motors. Correct. So his doesn't have that. It's an induction motor. Right. So his motor, he's actually developing, and he's a young inventor, but inventing things and winning other prizes previous. In, he's only 17, but previous in his career, he's done that. And it's like a um, like a pump, like pumping water or something type of motor. But he's like introduced another magnetic field, but the way he does it, 
he's getting that torque you don't normally get out of a pump motor instead. So he's found a way to do this that he's developing. And there's not a whole lot of details because I guess it's still, you know, patent, pre-patent process. So he doesn't want to give away the... But he has won awards for it. So this could be a new type of motor that might eventually be in uh, cars that would need less rare earth metals. Yes, it sounds like a really interesting idea. So he's... The synchronous part is he's... They don't use magnets. Well, they do. They use electromagnets. It says here, synchronous reluctance motors don't use magnets. No, but it uses a magnetism. A steel rotor with air gaps cut into... It aligns itself with the rotating magnetic field. So it's a rotating magnetic field. Reluctance, or the magnetism of a material, is key to this process. As the rotor spins along with the rotating magnetic field, torque is produced. More torque is produced when the... Salency ratio, or difference in magnetism between materials, in this case the steel and the non-magnetic air gaps, is greater. So basically what that means is he can make a motor potentially with maybe not the same torque, but enough torque to make it viable for a car, potentially. Yeah, from what I recall, the challenge is going to be the manufacturing complexity. It's going to be a real precision jobby type thing. Yeah, and the nice thing about uh, permanent magnet motors... Is that they're dead simple. They're also the existing standards. Everyone makes mm-hmm. them. Um, but you know what? Moving technology forward, better way to do things? Why not? So this got me thinking about cars in general and how cars are a lot like women. Think about it. You've seen, you've been in cars before, correct? I've been in cars, definitely. And you've been in women before. <laughs> anyway, seriously though, if, you're, if, you, if you have a car, a regular car, you're like, oh, it's fine. But what if it's a convertible? Right? The roof comes down. It's like, it's so much better. You're like, oh, it's a convertible, right? Much more enjoyable. Think about it. You're with uh, you're with a girlfriend or a wife, you know, on the couch at home. And it's fine. It's nice. But then if she takes her top off, it's much more fun. It's much more enjoyable. <laughs> it, it truly is. It truly is. So I think um, women are like cars. They get more and more complex as time goes on. Uh, they require more maintenance as time goes on. <laughs> oh, boy. I hope our wives don't listen to this episode. But yeah, I do I do like the They become whole, more valuable with age. They become more valuable with age. After a certain point, I was... <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. You hang on to one when you get that, that you get when you're young, and when you're old, it's worth a lot of money. Wait, when you're old, it's really valuable to you. It's worth a lot of money. <laughs> Clearly, I wrote my bits, and Richard just winging his... Uh, um, yeah, like women, you can, uh, when you're done with them, you can saw off the parts. Saw off the parts? <laughs> uh, the more kids you have, the bigger vehicle you have. <laughs> That's not actually true all the time. Not for your wife my wife. Your wife has given birth to all 25 of your children. I mean, I don't know how many there are. I didn't count, but... There's at uh, least 2.5. There's, there's at least 2.5. Uh, the average, yeah. But she's, uh, you wouldn't know it to look at her. Same as my wife. Good for them. There's a woman I work with, uh, and she she says, well, it's really hard to lose your baby weight. I go, oh, how many kids do you have? Well, just one. Oh, yeah. And how how long ago do you have your kids? Because I'm thinking she's like 50. She's like, oh, like, a year, like, like 20 years ago I had my kid. I was like, or, or more. I was like, oh. You keep telling yourself that if it makes you feel better. Her situation is the same as most people's. You put on weight with age. A lot of people do unless you make efforts to not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, oh, it's baby weight. So you had one kid 25 years ago, and now you are 
80 pounds overweight. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I hate when women, especially overweight women, talk about their diets and their weight. Uh, because for some reason, I don't think it's my fault, but they have the impression that I care. I don't... I don't know if they got this impression. I don't know why they think that. I don't know if you told them as a joke. If so, brilliant. But I, I don't know. Like, why, why do women keep talking about diets all the time? Is it that important to them? Does it make them feel... Um, because it is something that they can talk to about. It's, 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 a safe, it's a safe small talk type thing. It's a terrible small talk thing, but it's boring. You know, it's not boring. Rivian. You know Rivian, the electric truck yes. people? I think they're in cahoots with Ford right now, maybe perhaps? Let's Not talk. so much in cahoots. They're using a lot of Ford parts. Yeah, the partnership then. So um, Rivian did something totally different than well, everyone. Tesla. Everyone, everyone. Well, Rivian, well, not everyone. There's other car companies who do this. But they're using as much of the existing auto manufacturing supply chain as possible. Right, so everything else is more or less the same. Yeah, so their headlights are the same as some GM truck. You know, their... Um, GM truck? Ford know. truck? Anything that they can get, so sort of right, like OEM aftermarket or yeah. regular, yeah. So they're uh, partnership with Amazon now, and now they've delivered over I think it was four hundred thirty thousand packages at the time of writing the article that I read recently. So they have Rivian delivery Amazon trucks, which are all electric or rather van, not trucks. They're vans. Yeah, they're, they're small vans. They're small delivery vans, but. They're all electric delivery vans. And I've always thought it made more sense for commercial vehicles where they know what the usage is going to be. Yeah. Because you can kind of plan, okay, in a given day, how much are we going to actually drive? You can kind of plan it, figure Like buses. There's, we have electric buses now in our city. We're not alone. But you know, you know how much a bus has to drive and how long it takes to charge. And Yeah. So it kind, of, it kind of works for that kind of plan stuff. So And we have electric ferries. They're not in... Not running yet because Electric Fairies is the great name for a type of nightclub. The Electric no, Fairy, the Electric Fairy, or Electric Fairies. God, yeah. that'd be a great. Wouldn't that nightclub work? <laughs> I don't know if we'd fit in there. We, <laughs> I probably could. You probably could. <laughs> in fairness, I think there's a lot of men that would go to the Electric Fairy nightclub for proposing that have wives. I've always found that funny that even this modern age. There's still many gay men with wives as beards. Is yep. it really that beneficial, like financially or career-wise still, even now? Because we kind of think we're more modern, gay people are accepted, but yet there are still there are still many gay men with wives. Are the wives in on it, you think, sometimes? I think sometimes. Like maybe they're gay too, it's a way of being, uh, being uh, I guess, like hidden from everyone so you can still have your own relationships well some of it may be that these guys are not necessarily gay they're bisexual but then they're cheating on their wife which bothers me like if you're bi and you have a wife good for you but if you're out you know at the gay clubs that seems a bit a bit naughty yes um however some people are more sex positive than i am i'm yes. not i was raised catholic and sex is a bad thing that's more of a Protestant ideal, but... I like how the real Catholic in the room is like, no, no. It is interesting, though, how many people think the Catholic Church believes certain things, and they don't. Yeah, well, it's the... Because the Catholic Church has never changed its teaching on, say, contraceptives. What do you think about that? Do you think they should be pro-contraceptives? I think they should be. Also pro, you know, sex after marriage. I mean, that probably falls with their teaching, but I would also say pro-contraceptive is a good thing. Doesn't that prevent abortions? 
Depends. It's the. Uh, Why do we always end up going back to abortions in the Catholic Church? Every podcast. Well, right now it's very topical because of it is, Roe uh, versus Wade being semi overturned. You think that's going to hurt the Republican Party? Oh, yes, definitely. Because they can't use it as, a, oh, we got to beat these Democrats. No, no, you beat them. Yep. You beat them into the ground. You won. And now the Democrats are going to go schools, infrastructure, maybe. And they might win because. If they, if they were smart, they would focus on, well, the Republicans were smart, which no one's ever accused them of being smart. Competitive, uh, highly competitive. motivated. Uh, they can be devious and highly intelligent, but smart is something different. Um, well, I, mean, I think when we say smart, we mean acting in the best interests of the general public and the average Yes, American. as a politician, that's the smart thing to do is to you gain power by... Finding what the population needs to make their lives better and solving that. Well, look at Ford, the um, not the, the Premier of Ontario, his brother, now deceased, who was the very outlandish mayor of Toronto. Now, he was a populist, as in he went and made a lot of uh, decisions that looked good on the surface, but may not have been prudent. Well, there's lots of promises he was keeping, but a lot of things, the big things he did, like the TTC, the Toronto Transit Commission, he poured a lot of money into that and arguably improved the commutes of, I don't know, hundreds yeah. of millions of, of Torontonians. Yeah. So, so the thing is, when you do something like that, that's that visible and that benefits so many people who actually get out and vote, who go to jobs. Now, what's interesting is, is that his TTC expansion... Whereas it was controversial um, because of the money spent and that sort of stuff. No one said, oh, we don't need this. Or very few people said, oh, we don't need this. Um, because this is something that was definitely needed. Right. However, he seems to have done it in a way that Ottawa screwed up. The the public transit in Ottawa, the, um, the whole trains from France that can't handle Canadian winters. Yeah. I literally have no idea how any of that happened. But when COVID came and everyone worked from home all the time, the best part about that in Ottawa was you didn't have to deal with the Ottawa Transit and the terrible trains. Yes. Terrible. They just, they were having problems this summer because things got too hot. Right, because France doesn't get... South of France gets quite hot and stuff, but the way that the trains... Uh, it's not the trains themselves, it was the track. They didn't allow for enough expansion joints. Ugh. It, it, like, I just don't understand how... If you look at Calgary, you know, in Canada, Alberta, northern city, it gets horribly cold. I've been there in wintertime, and they have their light rail transit, which has been working delightfully for decades and decades and decades. Yeah. Why wouldn't Ottawa simply look at Calgary and go, what are you doing here? Let's do the same thing they're doing. Because if it works in Calgary, it'll work in Ottawa. Why don't they look at what the they Toronto did with the GO trains? Whatever. Um, there's, there's so many examples. And it's sort of like, well... We've got a Canadian company that makes trains and ships them all over the world. Bombardier. Yes, they're, uh, the test track is fun. I know a guy that works there, and if you ask him what he does, he's like, I play with real-life trains all day on a real-life-sized train track. Yeah, uh, one of my neighbors was uh, a destructive engineer. Oh, blowing trains up for fun? He didn't blow them up, but he broke them for for work. I was basically, we're going to run this thing around until a wheel falls off, and then we know when the wheel falls off. And, he, and one of his jobs is to figure out the, what, the, why the failure happened. What part gave out. Yeah. It's interesting. I know we're this rambling, just like train of thought we're going on here, like Lenny Bruce, who I've been reading, actually. But in any case, 
I was looking again at the carbon fiber versus steel for drive shaft tests, where they basically spin them and put stress on them, and you see where they snap. And it's amazing how much more stress the carbon fiber takes. Yes. It is phenomenal. And for how lightweight it is. Yeah. No, is carbon it- fiber is great for a racetrack in real life. You run over a piece of debris and it bounces up and hits your drive shaft as carbon fiber and it just turns to dust. Oh, it breaks it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, I was watching a thing about uh, a flywheel car, flywheel powered car. Okay. It was just an, it was a, you know, like a university type project. Okay. A bunch of engineering faculty students put it together and. And they use carbon fiber flywheels. Which were great in they were, lab. They, they work great until they don't. And then they just tur- blow up and turn to dust. As in catastrophic f- failure. Now, the nice thing is, is that, you know, you don't, they don't throw chunks everywhere, but. Right. It's just that there is, they work until they tear themselves apart. There is no none of this, you know. Uh, it's wearing out. Oh, I can hear it grinding away. Yeah, or it's it's wobbling. You know, it's you know, it's like uh, I watch guys. I watch a lot of off roading uh, channels and that sort of stuff. And you know, guys coming out out of the, you know, limping out right. with with a uh, drive train uh, a drive line that they've straightened out by um, attaching another vehicle's winch to it and winching it it somewhat straight, so they can just get to just get out basically. Yes. Okay, yeah, no, that's true. But I do think, though, um, I mean, shielding isn't impossible no. to put around it. So I, I do think that carbon fiber with electric cars and energy savings no, the is the future. The interesting thing is, is that you go, okay, carbon fiber with, with electric vehicles, strictly speaking, you don't need a drive shaft. This is true. But other parts. There's lots yeah. of parts carbon fiber is applicable for. So I, I do think that carbon fiber is going to help, especially with um, aviation, actually, because if you can make a much lighter weight plane, yeah. it needs less fuel to fly. And especially for um, Europe, is it's the, uh, I think it's Stuttgart University in Germany. They have this neat little combination electric plane with like a high-efficiency high diesel-generating electric uh, generator yeah. in it. And it can only, I think, fly two people, but it can fly very far and very little fuel. So some of the ideas for the future of drones is, could they be... You know, very lightweight, very small, only a tiny amount of fuel for extra electrical, you know, bonus. And if we made them out of carbon fiber, could you have basically airplane taxis in Europe where I'm going 500 kilometers? Oh, you hop in a plane with further people and it flies you there. And because you don't need a pilot, everything's remote now. You're not sending a pilot around. Could we eventually get to the point where pilots actually sit in the... Um, like, we know where air traffic controllers sit now. Like there's different sites all over the world. Yeah. I've, I've had tours of these places. Could a pilot actually be sitting there now? Almost like the um, the, the drone pilots. They're in the U.S., you know, they're in a bunker in Utah or the desert in Nevada or somewhere, and they're flying a drone over the Middle East. Could you actually be in somewhere in Europe, and you're flying a lightweight carbon fiber air taxi, and someone's going from, you know, Frankfurt to Paris? I don't know if I would like that. I think I would prefer... I, I think I if someone is going to be flying me someplace... I want their, them to be in as much danger as I am. Right. The Saturday Night Live joke, which they haven't done yet, they should do, would be, oh, it's this new amazing plane, you know, self-flying planes, but a pilot can hop in if they need to. The pilot's flying the plane, bringing it for a landing, and then the pretty girl in the office walks by, oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, crash. 
Yeah. The thing is, though, it'd have to be more like a 911 call center where they're actually closed off and you don't bother them. There's office rules so they can focus. They're not distracted. Yeah, but still, if they crash, they're walking away. You're not. Oh, yeah, if they crash, they're going to still go have cake because that guy's retiring. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're still in the office. It's, um, I mean, I think for like truck driving, that's going to be the future of big rigs. I think big rig truck driving will eventually become a work from home job. Um, I could see. What I would actually like to see is road trains. What you have is you have anonymous... Oh, like in Australia, they have all those trucks linked together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, you have a real live driver in the front vehicle. The rest of the vehicles are following autonomously. Okay. And then you have a real live person in the the last one um, keeping an eye on things. And you can have like 25 of these things, and then you just... Right. They've actually done a test. It was a few months ago last year. They were sitting in the, the cab, but they actually drove on the highway. The highways are kind of easy because yeah. there's no red lights. They're, the traffic's not the same. You kind of keep driving. But they've actually driven, uh, I, think, I think it was east to west across America um, with this prototype. So it's a great big rig full of gas. There's two or three guys in the cab with all the computer stuff. And they just watch the truck drive itself. All the way across the country from, you know, from New York to California or something like that. So I think, I think that is the future that a vehicle can be self driving. Then it says, Oh, I need help. One of the designated, you know, call center pilots or drivers, they just hop in. Oh, I can take care of this. Oh, there's a road closure. We'll go around alternate route. Once we're back on the main highway, release control back to the automation system. But I do think that is the future. And then there'll be a lot more IT jobs to support all that infrastructure. But I think we will eventually get to the point where trucking is a very family-friendly, working-from-home kind of job. And wouldn't that be great? I'm on call for 12 hours, working from home. Got to be there. If if it rings, I got to pick it up and drive a truck. Otherwise, I'm just here monitoring. And I don't know. That, 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 could, be a, that could be a good job. Of course, then they'll farm out to India. Uh, <laughs> uh oh, there's a cloud. Well, all the trucks in America are stopped. Rogers goes down again. Rogers goes down again. A third of the trucks in Canada are stopped on the various highways. That is actually a real concern because if there was that kind of system, you wouldn't have enough operators to drive all the trucks. You'd have enough to help when they need help. Yeah. So that means if there was some huge IT outage and there was problems, it could clog up. A freeway for a day or two. Crazy. At best. It, it would depend on the exact circumstances, but yeah, there could be, or if there was a big blizzard or something, the trucks go, oh, danger, pull over, put on hazards. And now you have hundreds of kilometers of... So for something like this to work, the best is if you had a dedicated, like you add two more lanes to the highway, and those are dedicated truck lanes. Well, it's almost like uh, the trains, where they have their own train tracks. Yeah. It's having... Shipping trucking lanes where you have two trucking lanes across the country or four really double carriageway, and that's meant for shipments. And you can, any vehicle can go on them that's a commercial vehicle and it's autonomous and just goes in the flow, lock it in, and it's pretty neat. Well, I think that's good for an episode. Yeah, I think so. We can end that with that the future is autonomous vehicles that you'll be nervous about. Yes, because like I, said, <laughs> I, I would prefer, I prefer it when the driver's life is. Is in just as much danger as mine. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, on that curmudgeon note, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Have a good night, everyone.
Oh, and uh, buy again for the Cheetos. Mm, they're they're not good enough. Not good enough. Regular spicy Cheetos are better. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. All right. And the the beer. Yeah, the beer's always a buy again. What about the Kit Kat bar? Eh, it wasn't yeah. bad. It wasn't great. Yeah, it was weird. Well, we're gonna try a new flavor every week till we've tried all the flavors. Okay. We have many to go. Good night, everybody. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. That's good. I remember commercials. (laughs) Middle-aged man talk. Thank you so much for listening. Please check us out on Patreon. (laughs) Woof.